Remember when Dorothy wakes up in the land of Oz and everything shifts from black and white into amazing and vibrant technicolor? Well, today, Pastor Daniel shares that this is what happens in your life when you realize how wonderful Jesus is. He is so extraordinary that even the everyday mundane things in your life are transformed. You'll see everything with fresh eyes and hopeful expectation because knowing Jesus changes everything. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Isaiah chapter 9 as he continues his message called The Gift. says we will make our enemies pay and Jesus says I will lay down my life for our enemies American economics says build and build and as much as you want unqualified greed Jesus says I want you to give it all away and in the midst of that we find ourselves stuck and I'm here to tell you the tension's the blessing for us because in your heart you say you know what it can't be what all these people are telling me Jesus what are you saying And that's why when you read the book of Acts, you realize that there had never been a group of people like the early church in the midst of the Roman Empire or the Greco-Roman Empire or 15th century Europe or wherever they find themselves. The people of God, because of the kingdom of Jesus, live differently within their host culture because they realize that they are citizens both of Jesus' kingdom and some sort of an earthly reign, and they choose Jesus' kingdom over the earthly reign. And my fear for us this Christmas, amen. My fear for us this Christmas is that we are so used to subordinating the kingdom of Jesus to earthly politics that we've completely been salt that loses its saltiness. Something to pray about, isn't it? Challenging word for us. But Jesus' rule is different And what's amazing, you read church history, you'll find that in every single single culture, the people of God struggle with, do I just accommodate whatever the structure is, or do I subversively resist it by being the forerunner of the kingdom of Jesus in the midst of it? And my friends, listen, as I said, the tension is actually the blessing for us. The fact that you feel the tension and you're saying, God, what do I do? That's the blessing. Because we're not just fish along a current of life. We're not just sheep being led to the slaughter. But we are saying, God, what is your will for my life? Because I have a dual citizenship. And God, I am going to let the kingdom of Jesus rule this thing and inform the way that I live my life right now. Why? Because Jesus is the ruler. And don't miss the fact, his title in the Bible is the king of kings and the Lord of 
lords, which means in the end of the day, when it's all said and done, he gets top billing. So it makes the most sense not to choose somebody who is subordinate to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? Amen. Now listen, I realize that's a challenging word. And I, I realize that. But listen, I gotta pass along the challenge as God challenges me with it. I have to. I have to say, listen, we have to question certain things. We have to make sure that we are not availing ourselves the things that God has already said. No, no, no. That's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Everything about my kingdom tells us something different. And I realize, just like you, there is a tension there. And God wants to do a work with us within the tension to see his kingdom come and his will be done, what? On earth as it is in heaven. And you realize and I realize that if his kingdom is going to come and his will is going to be done, then my kingdom and my will has to go. Someone's in and someone's out. And if we're praying, Lord, we want your kingdom and your will, then my will and my kingdom, if it's not lined up with his, it has to go. It gets displaced. But guess what? We'll get to talk about that more next week. Aren't you excited? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Real excited. So (laughs) the son is a gift. Absolutely. The son is a ruler. Now look at the end of verse 6. It says, And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. Now, this is what I want to teach you about this. This teaches us that the son is indescribable. That's what this teaches us. The son is indescribable. You might be like, well, hey, hold on a second, Fusco. There's all these descriptions of who he is. But if you, as we're going to look at each one of these descriptions, what you're going to realize is, is that words are lacking when it comes to describe who this gift of God, Jesus Christ, actually is. And each one of these phrases are pregnant with meaning for us. And so we're grasping for language to try and understand who is Jesus? Who is this son who's a gift, who's a ruler? It's kind of like the love of God. You ever read in the book of Ephesians that the height and the breadth and the width and the depth of the love of God, which surpasses all understanding. Paul prays that the church in Ephesus would understand what is not understandable. I love that. He's saying, look, you can't understand it in its totality, but you got to search it out anyway. God wants to bless you with understanding of what is infathomable. Same thing with the character and the characteristics of Jesus. He is infathomable, indescribable, but yet we still try. And I think that these descriptive words are really powerful for us. It's interesting. If you read conservative Jewish writings, as they're translating Hebrew into English, another language, they actually never translate all these names. If you literally, if you read like an English translation of Hebrew writings, they'll say, in effect, his name will be called, and they just transliterate it, Pela Eho Elez El Gibor Abi Adar Sar Shalom. You know why they do that? Because they realize if they actually write it out in English, then they run right into the Christian claims about Jesus as the Messiah. All of these details run you right into why Christians have believed that Jesus is God, the Son of God, Messiah, because it's all right here. And so Jewish scholars, they say, look, we just make it one big transliterated name because we actually don't want to get into the details. But for you and I, we're going to get into the details. Now, there are a number of phrases here. 
Now, before we get into each one of them, what I want to share with you is that some of your translations have wonderful comma, counselor, comma, mighty God, comma, everlasting father, comma, prince of peace, right? Some of yours just says wonderful counselor with no comma. So people argue about, is it wonderful comma counselor or wonderful counselor? I want to fix this for you guys right now. What you need to know is this first, Hebrew, no punctuation in it. There's no punctuation when this stuff was written. All the punctuation was added by commentators. So no punctuation. Now, then people say, well, mine says wonderful, and that's one thing, and counselor, that's another thing. And some of you says wonderful counselor. So what do we do with that? Here's the deal. If Jesus is wonderful, as a blanket statement, then he would be a wonderful counselor, right? Yeah? Everyone feel comfortable with that? So it doesn't matter where your commas go, okay, in this. If he's wonderful, then he would be a wonderful counselor. And if he's just a wonderful counselor, you already know that Jesus is wonderful anyway. So it's one of those things that people like to argue about. I don't know why, but they do. And so people argue about it. And so listen, I'm here to tell you, it really doesn't quite matter, unless it matters to you. And then I'll care about it because it matters to you, but it really isn't an issue. If Jesus is wonderful, he'd be a wonderful counselor, amen? Okay, everyone feels good with that? If you don't, we'll pray for you. You can talk to us later about it, and I agree with you. Okay. Let's look at the details. First, we find that Jesus is wonderful. This word means either extraordinary or miraculous. And my friends, I'm here to tell you, Jesus is absolutely wonderful. He is extraordinary. Jesus is miraculous. And my friends, one of the reasons that Jesus is the ultimate gift and he makes a tremendous ruler is because he is extraordinary. When was the last time you were awestruck? You just thought, God, you are so extraordinary that you would walk with me through life. My friends, in a lot of ways, we neglect how amazing God is for us. It's like you're walking through life and everything is black and white. And then all of a sudden you come to meet Jesus and you realize this is extraordinary. Life goes from being black and white to being technicolor. And don't get me wrong, black and white is a very cool filter on Instagram. It makes for some great Ansel Adams photographs, but life was meant to be lived in living color. And when we realize how wonderful Jesus is, how extraordinary this is, how powerful it is to follow Jesus, it changes everything. I mean, talk about a word that means a lot that you're still like, man, it doesn't even do it justice. How wonderful and extraordinary Jesus is. Not only that, not only is he wonderful, but he's also a counselor. This is the skill of giving wise advice, of making plans, of giving counsel. My friends, listen. We live in a day and age where there are a million counselors. Anybody can go to school and get a degree in counseling. Everybody wants to tell you how to live your life. The self-help section in what was formerly known as a bookstore was an exploding section. Everybody has a piece of advice. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, listen. Rather than running to and fro and getting everyone's advice, why don't you just ask the wonderful counselor who knows the beginning and the end? It's such a powerful reality when you realize, why should I run to somebody who doesn't know and doesn't even know that they don't know. How many of you have gotten bad advice in the last week? It's so easy to ask a million people for a piece of information, and we neglect to say, God, you are amazing. You're the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. What is it that you want me to do? 
Don't ask for advice from someone who isn't even taking their own advice. But say, Lord, what do you want me to do? You're the counselor. I need your advice. I need your planning. And I think for what a, what a lot of us do is we say, this is what I'm doing. God, will you bless it? My friends, that is not being wise. Being wise is not doing what you want to do and saying, God, bless it. Being wise is saying, God, what do you want to do? What is your plans and purposes for my life? I believe that would be a watershed for many of us. If you stopped assuming you know what you're doing and say, God, what do you want to do? Don't say, God, this is what we're going to do, and I want you to bless it. Say, God, my life is yours. You are the wonderful counselor. Everything you do is extraordinary. You are miraculous, and I need your counsel. You know what you find when you come to the wonderful counselor? You find that his sofa is always wide open for you, and he never sends you a bill no matter how long you're there. How awesome is that? Anytime you pull up in prayer to the Lord and say, God, I don't know what to do. He's there to talk, to share. And he is the wisest person who's ever lived. See, this is why he's a gift. Because not only is he wonderful, but he's an amazing counselor. He wants to reveal his purposes and plans to you and I. Now, not only that, look what it says next. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Now, ain't that a doozy? You see why Christians for 2,000 years have believed that Jesus was God in the flesh? Because you read, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. What do you do with that other than say, Jesus was God in the flesh? What do you do when Jesus says things like, I and my father are one. Before Abraham was, I am. I always do those things which please my father. I mean, you have all these verses, and then people still today, they're like, I can't believe you at Crossroads believe Jesus is God. I'm like, what else are you supposed to do? It says his name will be called Mighty God. When was the last time a child or a son was called Mighty God? Jesus. See, Jesus was God in the flesh. The church has always worked on it. Why? Because God is infinite and we are finite. We want it so cut and dry and certain things aren't as cut and dry as we want it because we don't have the capacity or the means by which to understand these things in their totality. But when you read something like he's mighty God, this was 600 years before Jesus was born. They said that the child was going to be mighty God. So now that we got the God part out of the way, don't miss the mighty part. Don't miss the mighty part. The Bible uses words like all-powerful, mighty, strong. That's why the government can be upon his shoulders. And know what I think a lot of us are doing right now? And we're struggling. We're trying to bear our own burdens. We say things like, God will never give me more than than I can handle. You know you're never going to find that in your Bible, right? Actually, God will always give you more than you can handle because the teaching is not that God will give you more than you can handle. The teaching is, is that God will never give you more than he can handle. And our lesson is to learn how to give our cares to the Lord. 
That's the lesson. And if you're here today and you're feeling weighed down, you're like, man, I can't do this. I, I'm falling apart under the pressure. It's because you're not supposed to be holding it. God did not create you strong enough to be able to support all the circumstances of your life. The lesson is to learn how to cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. Because he is mighty. Our culture says that weakness is a problem, but our Bible says that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. So if you're here today and you're saying, listen, I can't do this. I'm too weak to be able to handle it. That is the scene of God's strength being revealed in your life. So the problem that our culture has is we don't ever want to show weakness. You never let them see you sweat. My Bible says when we sweat, that's when God shows himself to be the one who's doing all the heavy lifting. So be okay to be vulnerable and not strong enough to handle it because that is the place where God's strength is revealed. He is mighty. Nowhere in our Bibles does it say that we are. God will always give you more than can handle so that we learn it's not about us handling it. We can't handle it. That's the lesson. And how many of us right now, you're still banging your head against us. I can't believe I can't handle this. You're not supposed to. Trust the mighty power of God. And don't be ashamed that you're as weak as you really are. Because in your weakness, God shows himself strong. He's mighty God. And not only that, it gets even worse. He's everlasting father. Now, does that strike anybody as strange? Raise your hand. That now the child is called everlasting father. Raise your hand, God, please. I'm the only one. Praise God. Okay, so I'm going to explain it to myself then. We're so busy trying to understand one God and three persons, the Father, Son, and Spirit. We focus so much on the distinctions that we also forget that they're one God. And it's fascinating that Jesus here, the child is called everlasting father. I want you to notice first the descriptive word. He's everlasting. You know what everlasting means? Lasts forever, everlasting. Ages upon ages without end. How many of you guys have heard that Duracell batteries are everlasting? (laughs) <laughs> they'd be out of business if they were, right? You just buy one set. Everyone has to buy more batteries. How many of you guys remember the everlasting gobstoppers? We all made our ways to the end of that and a trip to the dentist, right? It means that Jesus is ever-present. He's an ever-present help in time of need. He can say, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age, because he is everlasting. He is from everlasting to everlasting. Now is the perpetual moment that Jesus exists and has always been and always will be. He is everlasting. This is why he's a total gift. This is why he's the ultimate ruler. This is why he's wonderful. And this is why he's a wonderful counselor because he is always there and he always knows. Now what's interesting is if you think of the word father, the Old Testament never really spoke about God as father. That was more of Jesus in the New Testament. So when you think of the idea of a father, it actually speaks about things like a father's concern, a father's care, a father's discipline and strength, the father supporting his family. It's a great way to think about Jesus. Now listen, I realize that when I start talking about dads, every single one of us had a dysfunctional dad. Even the person who had the best dad, your dad was still a sinner in need of salvation. So when we start talking about Jesus being an everlasting father with true biblical care and concern and protection and discipline, I realize all of us got baggage with that. All of us do. 
No, I can't say all of us. I get in trouble for that stuff. Many of us do, except all of you were raised by sinners. Sorry, dads and moms. But my friends, that's exactly who Jesus is. Jesus cares for you with a paternal care. And not like a machismo kind of absentee dad who just came in and is real mean, but a true paternal care, the way God designed fathers to function in perfection. We find now that Jesus is called everlasting father, speaks of his eternality and his care and his concern. And finally, as I end the last phrase here, we have the prince of peace, the prince of peace. Now that word prince, it doesn't mean like prince, like the heir to the throne. In Hebrew, it literally means an administrator. In that culture, a prince administrated. So this is the administrator or the manager or the implementer of peace. Now, that word peace, for those of you who have been around crosses, we talk about this a lot. It's important to talk about it again. The fact that when we think of peace, we think of the cessation of hostilities. When good old John Lennon said, give peace a chance, he's talking about, let's just stop fighting. And you guys know what it's like, that idea of peace being a cessation of hostilities. You got an issue with somebody, and then you decide you're not going to have an issue with them. But every time you see him, you're kind of like... You know, but there's an issue, but there's not an issue, right? You know that? That's the way we think about peace. But the Bible, the biblical word shalom does not mean that kind of peace. It literally means something like complete and total harmony, complete and total fulfillment, flourishing, true well-being, ultimate fulfillment. One commentator said it's the way things ought to be when everything works together in its most perfect form. That's the biblical word of shalom. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus is the administrator of true blessing, peace, fulfillment, harmony, and prosperity. And not material prosperity, but prosperity in the fullest, richest sense of the word where everything works together absolutely perfectly. Jesus is the administrator of that. And my friends, this is why Jesus is a gift. And this is why he's the most amazing ruler, because Jesus wants to do a work in our lives and through our lives that bring everything into perfect harmony and fulfillment. How does it happen? First, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we are at peace with God. We come back to unity with God. We have been lost and now we're found. And once we receive peace with God, now we have the peace of God and then we get to be peacemakers in the world. See, you can always tell how connected you are to God by how all the relationships are doing around you. If you're constantly creating strife, stirring up issues, it's because you are not experiencing what Jesus bought for you on the cross. The reason the people of God can be peacemakers is because Jesus is the Prince of Peace and he made peace between God and us and we experience God's peace so that we can give it out. Jesus is Today, Pastor Daniel wrapped up this teaching by continuing to explain the list of names for the Messiah as given in Isaiah. You learn that Jesus is the administrator of perfect peace. This peace embodies complete and total harmony where everything works together perfectly. And Jesus wants to give you this. When you say yes to Jesus, you'll be a conduit of this peace in the world as he works in and through your life. 
Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page. That website again is JesusIsRealRadio.com. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will talk about a vital part of your relationship with God, prayer. Did you know that God does hear your prayers? You may not think so, but the Bible clearly states that your Heavenly Father is listening. He may not answer you in the way you'd want, but you can always trust that He's working the situation out for His good and perfect purpose. So keep praying and keep trusting. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Humble Sacred. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.